Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. This morning, and we pray that you would bless our time together and that our time together would be beneficial and profitable, that we not waste our time here in the house of God. We have come to worship you. We have come to inquire We have come to contemplate your beauty in this place. And we pray, Father God, that you would forgive us our sins because they separate us from you and from your thoughts and from your ways. Wash us with the precious blood of Jesus and draw us near through that blood that we might hear your voice, that we, our heart might awaken to your reality, that we might see your kingdom and enter in to participate for it's an everlasting kingdom And all the kingdoms of the earth shall become the kingdoms of our Lord. Father, we pray that you would give us the mind of Christ and allow us to conduct our life in stewardship for your glory. Because you've purchased us from sin and death, because we were destined to hell and you rescued us and you purchased us by the blood of Jesus. Father, that we might serve you in a manner which is worthy, O God. We pray that you bless your word and bless our understanding of it and bring a harvest that glorifies your name as we sow the words of wisdom and the seeds of righteousness into the hearts of men and women and families that they might rise up to serve and honor you and glorify your name in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For some people don't understand that the Bible is called the Old Testament and the New Testament. People don't understand that. They just say, oh, do you have a New Testament? Would you like a New Testament? What are they talking about? A testament is a legal document for those that are going to be heirs of the provisions of the benefactor. They're benefactors of of the the testator who has died. And I had a man uh, a while back, he says, Joaquin, you say that we have to be genuine and authentic and transparent and we cannot lie to the Lord. I think the Bible is the most boring book I've ever read. And I began to laugh because I went to law school and I agreed with him that the most boring documents that have ever been written or exist for human beings are called wills and testaments. I've read the testaments of Lyndon B. Johnson, John F. Kennedy, as I was preparing in law school on how to make these things, and I can tell you they're the most boring documents a human being will ever read if you're not an heir to the fortune. If you are an heir to the fortune, my friend, these are the most exciting documents you'll ever read. You'll want to read every little last premise, dot, comma. You want to know where it's going, how much is going, and how long you will receive it for. And I said, my friend, the reason this book is boring to you, because you're not an heir to the promises of God. You're not a son of God. You're a son of the other man. And that's why there's no inheritance in this book for the heirs of darkness. This book is an exciting book. It's called the New Testament. But let's look at these um, pictures that I have set apart here. How would you like to be one of these 70 people that were found in a directory? A rich man in Portuguese opened up the directory, and he just opened it up in 70 different places and gave his fortune to 70 people without knowing who they were. Over $70 million went to these, to these people. The next picture is a young woman that with her fortune, 
You know, she's a little bit loony here. Um, She's the wealthiest woman in Asia, gave all of her inheritance to her spiritual leader if he would promise her that she would have eternal life. It wasn't Jesus Christ that she was given that money to. Multi-billion dollar fortune given to her thin shoe master in return for the promise of eternal life. These next two men were sitting there in the uh, streets um, without knowing that over a hundred million euros were left to them. They were homeless men whose mother, uh, grandmother had died actually. She was very difficult with them. They were living on the streets in zero uh, desperate, depraved situation as homeless men and inherited over a hundred million euros. For those of you who don't know, a euro is worth more than the American dollar. The next picture we see here is of a teenager whose father, uh, grandfather, when he died, left him an island, a 36-acre island, and told him, son, in that island, I have buried a treasure. A true treasure island was left in this grandfather's will to a young teenager. And I wonder if you were that teenager, what you would do as your next move. Move to the island, right? And start looking for your treasure. I'm sure you would. This next uh, picture is a student who was sitting in college trying to figure out how he would pay uh, for his gas money. And how he would pay for um, different things that you need in college like Willie was describing. And he received notice of an inheritance of a, a billion euros left from his uncle who he hadn't seen for a decade. How would you like to receive a billion euros as a college student? Would you stay in class? Um, The next inheritance is a young woman who was serving at a local cafe, and she served an older man uh, for the better part of 15 years, and uh, she received notice that he had perished, he had died, and left in his will half a million dollars to her, um, to her name, because of how she treated him every morning serving coffee. And so what a great inheritance. The next picture is of a wealthy hotel billionaire, a hotel owner in New York, who is leaving $12 million to her pet dog, Terrier. He will receive those $12 million. His name is Trouble. And... um, The person who has been left with the money is her brother. This lady's brother was left with 10 million for himself and 12 million for the dog. He's the dog who's received the largest inheritance in the world. The next picture is of a man, a homeless man in Bolivia. And this man here, uh, the policemen started asking about him in the neighborhood. And so he grabbed his uh, shopping cart. The next picture. He grabbed his shopping cart and he ran for the hills and he disappeared. He thought the cops were going to put him in jail for uh, vagrancy, for uh, uh, panhandling. Um, uh, Because of his alcohol addiction and his drug habits, he thought the police were after him. Uh, to take him to jail, but they were really after him because his ex-wife left him $6 million, and they wanted to tell him, but they still have not found him. So if you see this man anywhere, maybe you can share in with the inheritance. Now, we don't understand these concepts. 
You want to know why? We don't understand them. We've been kept in the dark for too long with respect to these matters. And the next picture I have here is a picture of Asia. And it's a big portion of the uh, earthly continent. I don't know if you see right there under Southeast Asia, um, there's a place called Brunei. See right here? Southeast Asia in the middle. And right to the right, a little bit farther down, there's a little country called Brunei. We could barely even see it. I've, I've, uh, the next slide has a picture of Brunei blown up. As if you get closer, 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 you'll get to this map of the country of Brunei. And in that country, there is a king, or what they call in that area, a sultan. And the sultan, who is the king of that country, is a man who's been in Uh, He's been on the throne of that country since 1967. He's been there for 43 years as the king. He has the largest palace known upon the earth. The largest palace, there it is. Two million square feet of 618 uh, huge units of people that live there in an incredible manner, but he is being the king of that country. He has the largest palace. It's even larger than the Vatican. Go figure how that little country has a palace greater than where the Pope and the Catholic Church resides. Well, he sits upon a throne, and this throne is purely made out of pure gold, and that's where he sits when anything important is taking place, and people who come before him will become before the throne um, they call it the, the chambers of the throne room. And I, I, like I said, for many of you, you could only know where I'm headed with this, right? That there's another king that I know about. And he has another palace. He has another inheritance. And, and we need to understand these things. Otherwise, we won't. We, 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 we're just out of control with what we're doing and how we're living. The next uh, picture is a picture of how this man gets around in his country. He has a, uh, it's a Rolls Royce, Bentley, he modifies it, it's made out of pure gold. This guy has inlaid his limousine with gold, and there he has two umbrellas just in case one runs out, right? Um, he has an incredible chariot. His, uh, one of the princes got married recently, and they brought him into his throne room, and he gave him their blessing in the throne room, and that's where they conducted the wedding And uh, that's where they were given the wedding presents. Um, This man has 7,000 cars. 7,000 cars that are worth $5 billion. 7,000 cars worth $5 billion. If he were to drive one of his cars every day, he wouldn't drive the next one that he just drove for another 20 years. It would take him 20 years to be able to drive the cars he has. He has over 7,000 of them. He has an untold amount of 250 Mercedes Benz, 224 Ferraris, 250 Bentleys, 150 BMWs, 165 Jaguars, 125 Porsches, 130 Rolls Royce, 20 Lamborghinis. And that's not even counting the Hondas, Toyotas, Fords, and Chryslers the man owns. But even though he has all this money, he is still going to court because his little brother took $3 billion from him in the last 10 years. He's taking his own brother. They don't speak to each other because of their inheritance and fortune. 
And I want to talk to you this morning about the goodness of God in our lives. This matter of testament and how is it that we receive from God because if there's something sad about being a son of God is being a prodigal son where you have gone far from your father far from the family fortune and you're not a benefactor of the things that God has laid up for us I don't know about you but knowing that I have an inheritance I have left it all that I might obtain the entire inheritance my attention my focus is 120,000% on being a child of God and being a good son because an inheritance is for a good son, for a faithful daughter. And God is training us up, training us up that we might receive a glorious inheritance. I remember my father as he would give us stuff as we were young and we wouldn't take care of it. He would say, give it back. We're not going to allow you to kill this dog. We're not going to allow you to, to trash your bicycle. You haven't been faithful with the boat I gave you. Give it back. And so we, it's not that it's taken from us. The word is we forfeit and surrender the provisions of God. And in order to be an heir of the promises of God, you're required to be meek in your heart. I was talking with Gary this week as we were sharing, and I said, Gary, if there's any thoughts that are held up in your heart, that if God doesn't come through soon, you're about to take off and go work for the devil. You're about to take off and get upset and go to another land. God knows that's in your heart, and he's waiting for you to take off because you'll end up doing what's in your heart. Like he told Judas, go and do what's in your heart. He's not going to force you to to sit there and wait for this inheritance. But those of us that will inherit are meek in our hearts. We trust God fully. When Jesus said these words in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the portions of God. What is the attitude of a meek person? I'll tell you the first attitude of a meek person. It's a person who does not make entitlement to anything. He's not considering, I've been left out, you've left me out, because he has nothing. He knows he's going to receive everything by the sheer mercies and the goodness of the Lord. He's not striving, he's not empowering, he's not manipulative, he's not working contrary to the spirit of meekness. You need to be meek to inherit the things of God. God will, will transform your character so that you might get to the place where you might inherit his provisions. For some of those of you that are are falling asleep this morning. I just want to tell you what it says there in Proverbs nineteen fourteen, because part of this inheritance is powerful. It says homes and riches, Proverbs nineteen fourteen, Homes or houses and riches are an inheritance that come from fathers, but a prudent wife is an inheritance that comes from the Lord. You can't purchase that, my friend. You can't get that at the local market. It's a gift of God. It's nothing you deserve, but it's entirely the goodness of God that he might give you a wise wife. How many want to be heirs of a prudent wife instead of a foolish one? You'll have canker in your bones, the Bible says. God wants to give us all things. I want to reiterate and resound that word, give. Psalm 37, 11, it says, The meek shall inherit the earth, and they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. 
I'm overwhelmed with the sense of peace that these people have received these fortunes. They're not striving for it. They're not harassed about it. They're not working. They're not scared they're going to lose it. It's just a gift that's been given freely and entirely over to them in relationship to these people that has given them these gifts. And the abundance of peace is the key verse. I don't see these people striving. As I was preparing for this message, the Lord told me the right place at the right time with the right attitude. That qualifies you for your inheritance. The right time at the right place with the right attitude. Again, meekness is the attitude of those that are inheriting the fortunes of God. The way that we inherit the portion that falls towards us is having a different attitude. Peter talked about this a little bit in 1 Peter 3.9. He says, do not go about paying evil for evil. Do not go about uh, arguing and causing havoc, insulting. Instead, walk with the attitude of blessing everyone because to this is your calling so that you might qualify to inherit the blessings of God. The attitudes that are opposite from inheritance are the manipulation, the striving, the fighting, the the endeavoring to get what's not yours, the cheating, the stealing. And that attitude will not only cause you to not receive an inheritance, but to lose the only inheritance you have received. How sad it is for there being such powerful provision. If this sultan and king of a small Asian country has vast fortunes, do you think he could lend you a car maybe? Do you think he has an additional million dollars to give you? Let me tell you something. God has no limits and restrictions on the abundance of his glorious provisions to those of us that are heirs to the promise. Oh, how we have disqualified ourselves, how we have forfeited our inheritance, how we have surrendered what God has for us because God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I have seen God speak things from this pulpit that I know you have not listened to, not coming from my voice for I, I was sitting there listening them to them too. The vast fortunes of God's goodness in this place are so much so that I was looking at this and meditating on this this morning and saying, I'm not letting any more people come in this place who do not honor the vast riches of his glory. It's a privilege and an honor to sit before a God who wants to bestow his kingdom upon you. As Jesus says, fear not my small flock. It has pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. The vast, amazing expressions of his goodness are worthy for us to pursue. As I was sitting here remembering that God said something from this pulpit, I'll remind you for your benefit. God will not let you get to the next level of his purpose until you humble yourself enough to ask someone for directions. The way God blesses his people is as they humble themselves. The way that he bestows inheritance and wealth upon the meek. The way that he unleashes is based upon the principles of his kingdom. And it's not based on striving and everything we learned out in this world. A dog-eat-dog world. It's not God's order of events. He leads from a place of humility. 
He leads from a place where he teaches if you're going to obtain something, it's not because you're going to get it, it's because you're going to give it. In Acts 20, verse 35, we see these incredible words that Paul reminds us of. He says, remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ taught us, it is better to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Why would these principles be in the, in the word of God? Why would they be there? Because you, in everything I did, Paul says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ told us himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. My children asked me this week, and he said, Dad, do we recall correctly? And I said, what? He says, we used to have a speedboat, and you gave it away. I said, yeah. They said, why didn't you sell it? I says, because you get by giving what you can't buy by money. You receive something by giving away what you would never be able to receive by receiving money or by selling it. That we might obtain the blessings of God's inheritance is better to give than to receive. Why? Because the principles of the kingdom of God, as taught by Jesus in Luke 6.38, he says, give and you will receive. Give and it will come back to you. It will come back to you in good measure. It will come back to you pressed down, shaken together. You have to know about money to know what that means. You ever had a can, you're filling it up with coins? If you shake it together, you get to put more in there, right? If you press it down, you get to put more in there. Well, he says, if you give, it shall be given to you. And it will be given to you in greater measure. It says, press down, shaken together until it runs over, will be poured into your lap. Because according to the measure which you measure, so it will be measured back to you. That has to be the attitude of a meek man. That has to be the attitude of man who qualifies and is able to receive a large inheritance. How do we win? Jesus says you win by losing. How do we obtain love? You obtain love by loving those who hate you. How do we live? You die. It's necessary for the grain of wheat to die for it to give forth life. How do we obtain leadership? We heard it on on Wednesday. How do we obtain leadership? Through submission. How do we become great? Becoming the smallest of all. This is the inheritance laid up. It already is there waiting for God's children. We haven't received it because we're walking contrary to the attitudes of meekness. We're not following God's principles. How will I ever become a leader? You must become an awesome follower. That's how people say, Pastor, how is it that you're leading great men of God over the world? Because I don't want to be a leader. I want to be a good follower. I want to be a servant of God. I want it to be shown in my words, in my attitudes, in my schedule, in my agenda. Proverbs 19, 17 says, He who gives to the poor is only laying it up so that the Lord might give you an inheritance that comes back to you. He who is kind to the poor is lending to the Lord. God will reward him for what he has done. I want to give you this because I know that maybe you're falling away from your inheritance. Maybe you are about to surrender what God has for you because of other attitudes. 
the inheritance is laid up for God's people who find themselves far. You know something, I'm, I'm thinking about these testimonies of these men who, who stood to receive an inheritance, didn't even know who they were and didn't know it existed and weren't walking in the properness of that inheritance. As we went to Switzerland for the first time, I was introduced to a man who was the heir to the largest fortune. And this man says, my father started the largest pharmaceutical country in the world. It's known all over the world. And at the age of 20, I ran away from home. And I went to New York with my girlfriend, and I forgot my father, and I forgot his business. Well, when I turned 70, 50 years later, his father was 90. He heard his father had gone to the hospital and was about to die. And he shows up at the hospital at the bedside and says, hi, Dad. I heard you're sick, and you're about to take flight. And his father says, yes, son, I'm going the way of the world. And he perishes, and this man picks up the inheritance papers some days after, goes to the lawyers, they read the papers, and he's disinherited. He's not given any of the fortune, only the mansion in Switzerland. We visited this mansion, and he only has a life estate. He could only use it during his lifetime, and he can't sell it because he was not fit to steward the fortunes of his father. So what he does now is he rents it out as a bed and breakfast and he does huge events and weddings. The wealthiest people in Switzerland rent it out. It's like a mini Vizcaya. And he's able to receive the proceeds from these events. But he's not faithful to inherit this vast fortune that his father had laid up for him. I want to tell you that you are like the people of Egypt not understanding the wealth of our Lord. If you got impressed by this Asian gentleman who is, has a small fortune compared to our Lord's fortune, who has a wealth that is only very minuscule compared to the vast riches of our Lord, in no way trying to uh, muster any type of, of greed or lust for material wealth, because I've learned that the greatest wealth that a man could receive is peace, to enjoy that which he has, to have contentment. To be able to have relationships with his family is the greatest wealth a man would ever receive. And I want to tell you that we, need, we must live according to this. Jesus says a man, the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a great pearl. He sells everything he has that he might capture and embrace the value of this inheritance. And the men of God who have lived before us in this world have done so. And I intend to do so myself. And I hope my children follow after me, pursuing the riches of his inheritance in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews eleven eight, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed. And he started moving in the direction of a place he did not know existed. Well, a lot of us, that's, that's the, the concern many of us have. If I let go of my raisins, who's going to promise me the cluster of grapes? If I let go of my three little desires that I have that took me a lot to get and I give it up to nothing? My friend, if you forsake family, if you forsake friends, if you forsake the wealth of this world, Jesus has promised a vast resources and provision you wouldn't even need begin to understand how it happens. But Abraham left without knowing where he was going. He says after he left by faith and went to this place, he received an inheritance. 
He would later receive an inheritance, and he obeyed and went, not even knowing where he was going. It might be the case that you don't even see what I'm talking about. It might be the case that you don't even fathom what God has laid up. But those that were able to do that understand that Christ has been appointed the heir of all things. In Hebrews 1, in Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says, Jesus being appointed heir over all things that the Father has. God, after he spoke a long time to our fathers, talking about Abraham, and to the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us through his son, whom he made heir of all things. If Christ is an heir of all things, we who are following in God's standing become the co-heirs. We're going to read that. We're going to read that, that all the provisions of God that came over his son are now given to us who believe and are pursuing this inheritance. The example is in the book of Joshua 11.23. Joshua 11.23. It says that this type of coming out of Egypt to inherit a land that existed for the people of Israel and there were those that didn't receive it because they did not believe. But those who believed and went into the land... They were following Moses and Joshua, it says, so Joshua took the whole land according to everything that God had promised to Moses, and Joshua gave it. And you say with me, gave? As an inheritance to Israel. According to the divisions by their tribes. Each person in the body of Christ has an inheritance. Each family in the body of Christ has a portion of God's outpouring for their lives. In all goodness. And the Lord has done the same thing for us. The same thing that Joshua did is the same thing Jesus Christ has done. Now the only problem is who will announce it? Who will explain it? Who will direct people in that direction? God has to capture the heart of some men. And he's captured my heart. And I'm trying my hardest to express to you the things that God has laid up for those people who come for this inheritance. The people that learn how to live life with a meek attitude. To learn how to be at the right place at the right time with the right attitude. Are you an heir of the fortunes of God? It says in Acts chapter 26 that there was a man riding to Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, the Lord slapped him off his horse or camel or whatever he was riding. Acts 26, 14, and when he had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me. This is Paul talking these words and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you my servant, to go and witness the things which you have seen. And which I will reveal to you. I will deliver you from the, people, the Jewish people as well from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Why will he send Paul to the Jewish people? Verse 18. I will send you to them that you might open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. So that they might receive forgiveness of sins. And they might receive the inheritance 
that are given to those that are being sanctified by me. He says, Paul, I need people that will stand up and point people in the direction of my inheritance for their lives. It's great to have God send his messengers to tell us, open your eyes. Get out of darkness. Come to light. The way you're walking is not going to be a good inheritance for you. It's not going to be a good inheritance for your children. It's not going to be favorable and beneficial. Turn to the inheritance of God. Turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. It's better to give than to receive. It's better to live with joy than with greed. Some people, they do not appreciate what God has done, but it's, it's pretty much described in this course. We're no longer to be slaves. We have an inheritance of freedom. Galatians 4, 7, he says, you are no longer a slave, but you've become a son. And if you're a son, you're entitled to the heir. You're an heir of God through Christ Jesus. You don't have to act like an orphan anymore. You don't have to act like you need to uh, gain some entitlement. This is the good thing about God. One of the things that happened to my sons when they were born, uh, all four of them, They were born in our house, and we would say, okay, whoever comes out of the house, if mom is not coming and says, shotgun, they get the front seat. And we taught them like that for five years until the Lord says, what you're doing is not right. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of argument. There's a lot of dispute. Let the firstborn sit in the front row when mom is not coming. And if he's missing, then the second guy will sit in the front row if the firstborn's not coming. And then if Joshua and Nick don't come, then Brandon gets... And then the princess gets the last. If, if nobody's writing, she gets. And you know what? That, it healed all the strife. It healed all the manipulation, all the power tools. The guys could never beat Christina anyways. She always got shotgun because God has fashioned the women to be greater and smarter and do, outdo men every time. So it wasn't making for a good uh, character development in my sons. But as they got their portion and inheritance, they stopped striving for things. I don't wake up in the morning to worry anymore. Why? Because God gives me my, say with me, daily bread. You know why you're hoarding wealth? Because you don't know God. You're a stingy, greedy fool. Who is your fortune going to anyways? You do not know. But when you have a vast inheritance, you wake up every morning knowing, my God is good. My God is great. My God will deliver to me what I will be able to use as a steward to glorify His name. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to lie. I don't have to steal. I don't have to walk contrary to the attitudes of meekness. I could be a servant of the Lord. I could be diligent. I could honor God with the increase of my gain as he bestows it upon me. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. And if I'm a son, I'm entitled to the inheritance of the sons of God. In Romans 8, 17, it says, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Sharing his inheritance, only we must share also in the suffering if we're to share in his glory. Listen to me, if you're an heir to these things, it requires a huge amount of structure and discipline and responsibility. God's not going to give and lavish to you a fool 
an inheritance you're going to squander. He's going to train you up. In Galatians 4 verse 1 it says, while you're young and immature as an heir, you're treated as a servant. You need to be taught what to do with your time, with your words, with your thoughts, with your provisions. I know that's what God hasn't lavished me with the full increase of my inheritance. I'm not prepared. He has to prepare a character in me so that I can be a faithful son. I don't know what I would do if I had 7,000 cars. I wouldn't know where to park them. I wouldn't know how to fill them up with gas. I wouldn't know how to, how to take care of 7,000. I could barely take care of two. I could barely be faithful, honoring God with what he's given me so far. And so we see these things that we are no different than a slave. Now I say that an heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. Have you seen when you give authority to somebody who's not ready for it? You just give a little bit of authority, they start mistreating their wife, they start mistreating their children, they mistreat their employees. They don't own not even two donkeys and they think they're wealthy. They're proud, they're lifted up. God keep us. I remember when I was a law student making $200 a week, I was tithing $20 a week. I would grab those $20 and scrunch them up and say, Pastor, good luck. See what you could do with $20. But as I was faithful with the $20, the Lord began to increase my wealth, and now I had to tithe $2,000. And I said, Pastor, I'm not a happy giver today. I have to give you $2,000. And the Pastor says, yeah, but you made $20,000. $20, yeah, but, I, you know, you, why don't you say my name a couple times during the sermon? Then, then we'll be even. Give me a couple spots there. Give me a couple commercials and say, oh, our brother Joaquin, who is so faithful, and he gives to the Lord. When I was giving $20, I didn't want any mention. Now I'm giving more, and our heart rises up in pride. And the Lord says, hey, stop it right there. He can't handle more. He can't handle more provision because he's lifted up in pride. God forbid him increase with the power of his wealth and, and inheritance to us with a heart that stops growing meek as he prospers and blesses us. So Paul began to write to all the churches in Ephesians 3.18. This is what he wrote. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will open up, flooded with light, so you can know and understand how rich his glorious inheritance is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3.15, from whom the whole family, we don't have that verse, do we? 118, I'm sorry guys, 118. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, that you would be able to come into this, would be enlightened, so that you might know and uh, understand what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Again, we don't know. We don't know what these matters are. We're so far from them. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 4, he says, we're born into a new inheritance. As soon as we become children of God, there's an inheritance that's been laid up for us that is not fading. It's not corruptible. You can't mess with it. You can't lose it. You can't, you can't act like it's going to dissipate. It's reserved for you in heaven, and God is dying for him to pour it out upon you. Even though right now it's being guarded until you receive it. 
Colossians 3.24, he says, Knowing that the Lord, that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of an inheritance. That from the Lord you shall receive the reward of an inheritance to those of you who serve Christ. There's an outpouring of God, and I, I can't understand it. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been receiving it now for 30 years, and it's the motivation I have to serve Him more excellently, to, to order my thoughts, to order my, my, my walk. Ephesians 1.11 says, In whom we've also obtained an inheritance. It talks about it all over the Bible. It's a testament. It's a reward. It's a, it's a reception. In Christ, we've also obtained an inheritance. You guys were, were freaking out about the 100 billion euros. You were freaking out about the, the, the dog receiving more money than you ever dreamed of having. And you're upset. But your millions are reserved up there for God as you serve Him with excellence, with the meekness of heart, with your time, with your energy, with your thoughts. You start pointing at people and blaming them that you're not getting your inheritance. Turn that little finger and point this way. And say, God, it's me that's holding up that inheritance that Paul is trying to talk about, that Peter's trying to talk about. He's, he's saying that our eyes would be open to this inheritance. What is it? What is the depth of the glories of this inheritance? In Colossians 1.10, says like this, you need to qualify for this inheritance in the way that you conduct yourself. So order your life. We're reading Colossians 1.10. We pray... That you might order your life and walk worthy of receiving and fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work, increasing in your knowledge. What were you to do if God were to give you what He has for you? I don't even know what it is. Start praying to God to open up your eyes. That He might entrust to you the supernatural, the impossible. As he invited rich men to participate in this inheritance, it says they walked away sadly because they had material possessions. And he says, oh, how difficult it is for a rich man to receive his inheritance in the kingdom. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's able to prepare you and equip you to this. So walk in a manner which is worthy. Please the Lord. Be fruitful in every opportunity. Increase your service. Increase your attitudes of obedience, submission, and stewardship. I don't know anybody who would entrust someone who's a thief over their inheritance. They'd probably steal it all. It would be a sad day. In verse 11 of Colossians 1, it says like this. The reason you're to order your steps to please Him and be fruitful and you be strengthened with more ability and might according to his glorious giving you power for all patience and long suffering and joy, waiting for the days of God, waiting for the times to be bestowed upon you according to his dictates. Verse 12 giving thanks. This, during the process of we're being qualified to receive these things, we're thankful to the Lord who has qualified us to be partakers of an inheritance. He's qualified you. Are you qualified? No, I'm lazy. Then stop being lazy. Are you qualified? No, I'm stingy. Then give better than to receive. So it shall be given to you. Are you qualified? No, I can't forgive. Then you shall not be forgiven. Because in the kingdom of God, to die is to live, to give is to receive. 
to wait upon the promises of God. I can't wait. I'm going out to the world. I'm excited. I'm excited as we qualify for this inheritance. In Proverbs 3.35, it says, The wise shall inherit glory, but the fool shall inherit shame. Isn't it shameful that you would have an inheritance you don't receive? Like the testimonies we've given. Like the man who doesn't even know that the Bible is the vast resources and provisions that he can never purchase with money of what God wants to give him. And he says, I consider it a stupid book. I consider it a a book that I don't like, a boring book. Isn't that a fool? He stands to receive the legacy of fools, which is shameful, shameful. In Proverbs 8.21, he says that I might cause those that love me to receive wealth and substance and fill their treasures. That's what God wants. He wants us to inherit his wealth. Who? Those who love him. That he might fill their treasuries. Are you bankrupt? I want to tell you this morning, check your attitudes. Check your spirit. Are you a man who receives and then turns around and curses? Are you a man or a woman who receives and turns around with an attitude? You're not fit. You're not qualified to receive an inheritance. You'll be like Esau, it says in Hebrews 12, 17. Don't be like Esau, who lost his inheritance because of his attitude. Hebrews 12, 17. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place to repent, though he sought it diligently with tears. I don't think it's too late if God is giving us a message like this. That we not be like Simon the magician who wanted to purchase the blessing of God in Acts chapter 8 verse 20. He says, you have no portion in this matter. Your money perish with you. You thought that you could give a tithe to the pastor and be bestowed with all the wealth of heaven? No, the wealth of heaven cannot be purchased. You're giving a tithe because it belongs to the Lord. And if you don't give it to him, you're a thief. You're taking what is God's. But he says, let you perish with your money because you thought that these things were purchasable. People who don't come to church say, I don't want to because they're going to take my money. You cannot buy with your money what God gives you through his blessing. It would far surpass your puny wealth. The peace with which we have in the things of God. The blessing of having obedient children and submitted wives. And and the favor of God where the devourer does not touch our wealth. He will rebuke the devourer. As we're faithful to give God what is God's, then God is faithful to give us. He says, let yourself perish with your money because you thought the gift of God, the inheritance of God could be purchased with money. Verse 21, he tells them, you missed it. You missed it because you had the wrong attitude. Right place, right time with the right attitude. You have neither part nor portion in the matter in this inheritance for your heart is not right in front of God. Oh, that our heart would might get right before God. Look what he did with David, a man after God's own heart. He began to bestow riches untold. His son was the wealthiest king that ever lived. Not because they had great business, not because they were business savvy and were getting and they were doggy dog world, but because he received the vast inheritance of the provisions of those that are meek and humble in their hearts. Those of us that our thoughts and our words and our actions and our attitudes and even the way we sit in church shows the fact that we're not prepared to receive our inheritance. We have despised the portions of God. 
In Galatians 4.30, it says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. We all have an attitude of this bondwoman, Ishmael, and Hagar, her mother. We want to do things. We want to get the blessings of God doing it the world's ways. And Paul says, if you're going to get the inheritance, you have to cast out the bondwoman and her son. Get rid of the attitudes of those people that are not heirs. Because no fornicator, no murderer, no liar, no one walking contrary to the heart of God will be an heir to the throne. Cast out the bondwoman, it says in Galatians 4.30. Cast out the attitudes of a slave. Cast out the attitudes of those that make you to miss your portions. 1 Corinthians 6.9 says, You know very well that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. It's not the fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, the abusers of themselves, nor the thieves, nor those who are greedy, nor the drunkards, nor those who insult, nor the extortioners and manipulators shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's not doing the things the way the people in this world do them, and that's why they don't have an inheritance amongst God's people. They don't have the portions God wants to give us. Galatians 5.19, it says, Now the doings of the flesh are clear. Idolatry, sorcery, being at strife, enmity, proud, jealousy, anger, division, selfishness, splitting factions, divisions, peculiar opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, and all that are similar to these. Verse 21, 521. I warn you before, as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the inheritance of our God. Can we stand this morning and say, God, I almost missed out until I heard in the house of God the words of the Lord. I almost missed what God had laid up for me and my children and my family because we walked the way of the world. I was like Esau. I was like Simon. I was like Hagar. I was walking as a slave, as an orphan. Revelations 21.7 says, He who is victorious, he who is able to attain this spirit, To be at the right place at the right time with the right attitude shall inherit all things. Can you say with me all things? And he will be your God and you shall be his son. I want to tell you it's not a shameful thing to be his son, but it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing to see how God bestows upon us to serve him faithfully. The vast provisions of resources and wealth and peace not known to man. I don't know a man who has a better marriage than I do. I don't know who sleeps better than I do at night. I don't know who has better children than I do. It's not pride. It's an inheritance. The purpose of God in my life is amazing, but I've made place in my heart to be a faithful heir of the great fortune of God. I come to this place not like a pastor who's going to come and serve some people. I come here to serve the King of Kings. I come here to honor my God. I come here to bless the name of the Lord gathered with his people in a right attitude because I believe I'm at the right place and at the right time to receive an inheritance that's laid up that I could never even dream of, but I want to make room for it. Can you bow your head with me? And you're a prince, and you're a princess. And you might be like these people we talked about this morning that have these inheritances laid up, and they're homeless, and they're walking contrary, and they're flustering college students. And they don't know what to do. And they're desolate fathers and and women trying to purchase eternal life. But you're an heir. 
You don't have to strive. You don't have to purchase. You don't have to barter. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to steal. You don't have to withhold your tithes thinking you're going to be better off. You don't have to be irresponsible or lazy. You're a son. In Jesus Christ, he has made us sons. So let us be heirs of the vast fortunes and goodness of God. I guarantee you, every single one of these recipients of this inheritance are going about celebrating. But you, my friend, should have a joy that surpasses all understanding. Every night you go to sleep, every morning you wake up to know that you are a recipient of the greatest inheritance given to men. Father, we pray today that you would give us that mindset, that you would give us this understanding, that we would begin to read this book in a different light, that we would attain to all the fullness, that we would know that uh, fathers give houses and they give fortunes, Lord, but from you comes a prudent wife. From you comes a family, Lord. From you comes the provisions we could never even dream of, Lord. Make us faithful sons. Don't make us prodigal sons who walk away from the Father's house, who walk away from the legacy we have in Christ. Let us be servants, Lord, and serve well and serve faithfully. You have given us a body. You have made for us a body that we might serve you with full strength. You have given us wisdom, Lord, that surpasses the wisdom of this age, O God, that we might begin to serve you faithfully, Honor you faithfully, Lord, and then you begin to bestow upon us the vast riches and glorious inheritance of those who believe, O oh God. And pray, Father God, that you would give room for repentance for those that have walked in another attitude that hasn't been the attitude of meekness, who have not found time to serve but want to be served, who have not found gratefulness in the heart for having been a participant and a privileged member of your family, O oh God. We pray that your spirit would be upon us, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you would bless our resources so that we might bless the house of God, so we might bless those that work in the fields of the Lord. We pray, Father God, that you give us understanding and that our children might receive the inheritance above all inheritance, O oh God. And I pray that your peace would be upon your people this morning, O oh God. Forgive us our sins, Lord, and direct our paths and bring us back to the place that you have laid up for us of vast resources of your goodness, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God say amen.